Hi, this is David Sachs, and welcome to Spiritual Tools for an Outrageous World. Every week we do a little couples therapy between us and God. It's a chance to deepen and explore our most important relationship. Okay, I'm glad you're here. Um, we lead many lives, uh, and, and that's, that, that, that's true on a number of different levels. So, so I, that's, that's kind of what I want to discuss which is how do we how do we maintain coherence with um, with kind of all the different strands that are that are going on simultaneously? Um, we we see that in the in the title of of this week's parsha Chai Sarah, which which is translated as the the life of Sarah. Um, of course, Sarah was the the first Jewish woman, the the, the wife of of Abraham. Um, so, so, so the life of Sarah, except that's not what the Torah says. It's chaye Sarah, which means the lives of Sarah. It's actually in the plural. So on the, on the simplest level, uh, we understand it by, by meaning um, one's life in this world and one's life in the next world. And, 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 and that's very true and that's very meaningful in and of itself and it has to be understood. So maybe let's just begin with that, that first most basic level. Um, I heard Rabbi Re'edi say it a, a, a slightly different way, um, that, that the word for life in, 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 in Torah is chayim. Uh, and chayim is, is actually plural, which is interesting, because in, in English, life is singular. Um, in, in English, it, it suggests, well, you have this life, and then after we leave our body, then that's, that suggests that that's the end of that. Or certainly there's a big question mark, at the very least. Whereas, from the Torah perspective, the very word for life itself is plural, which means that the, the, the baseline is that you have this world and the next world. So that's, that, that, that makes literally all the difference in the world. Literally all the difference in the world. How you think of the time that you spent. Um, so... So the Rambam has a, a, a fascinating answer as to why there are 613 mitzvahs. Like, why are there so many? So this is the Rambam, our, our, our greatest rationalist, says the following, so that it's impossible to go through life without doing something right. <laughs> Literally impossible. As such, you earn a share in the next world. <laughs> So, and, and of course, it, I, I, I'm always so proud to say that the Judaism says that the righteous of all nations have a share in the world to come. Which is a very, very different and, 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 and meaningful difference between Judaism and other world religions. Um, so, so the question is, what, what kind of share in the next world do we have? So, so that depends on us. That depends on the life that we lead in, in this world. But that we have a share, we have a share. And then the question is, okay, so... And, you know, I, I, I once thought of this life as, you know, the, the great furnishing expedition of, for our eternities. In other words, you do, a, you do a mitzvah, and now all of a sudden your, your next world, so to speak, has a waterfall. Then you do another mitzvah, and now all of a sudden it has this like amazing garden. And you do another mitzvah, and it's sort of like, you know, it's 
there are Van Goghs hanging up there. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's everything that you do, you transform your eternity. There's a direct correlation. Um, the, you know what the catch is? A very interesting catch to this is that in the next world, when we have clarity, we can't change our level. In other words, one might think that, okay, now that I know for sure what this is all about, now I'm going to roll up my sleeves and get serious. No, at that point, you, a person can't raise their level after their lifetime. That, that's what this world is for. Uh, a, a teacher that I knew once said something amazing to me. He said, he said in, in, in the next world, in the next world, we're going to have all of the answers but we're not going to be able to do anything about it. In this world, we don't have all the answers, but we can do something about it. That, that's, that's a great way of looking at it, I think. Very special, you know? Um, so so we, we, we leverage this world into our eternity. And here's another way of thinking of it, which is just a, a simple... Just a simple mathematical idea, very simple. If you take something that's finite, even if it's very large, but if it's finite, and you put that next to that finite thing, something that's infinite, that finite thing becomes very small. Even if it seems very large, next to the infinite, it's very small, right? Our life seems very long, in, I'm talking about our life in this world inside of a body, it seems very large. But next to eternity, our soul outside of a body, our life in this world is, it's very, very fast. I, I don't know who said it. Someone reminded me of it and they thought that it was Reb Shlomo, it may have been, I don't know. But talk about short but deep, listen to these words just describing our life, right? The days are slow, right? Or rather, let me re- re- say that again. The days are long, but the years are short. <laughs> the days are long, but the years are short. It's uh, a lot of the essence of life or living life, the experience of life is really captured there. Because if you think about it, oh, that was such a long day, it was a long day, and then a few days later you go, where did all the time go? And you, somehow those two things can coexist in this realm where things can, the years can go by so quickly. And yet the days are like, oh, I'm slogging through the day, I'm slogging through another day. So there's a lot of tricks in this world. I mean, to the sort of like the... The, the, the nature of this world. You know, I'll tell you something. This world is a beautiful place and it's a good place. But one of the names for this world in the, in the, in the holy literature is the world of lies. And that's not meaning to say that it's a bad place and we're in this hellish environment or anything like that. That's, that's not what it means. But it does mean that 
This world is not what it appears to be when you look at it. And, and when you hear things like, the days are long, but the years are short, and then you viscerally understand that, you just get a little clue of how just, just tricky this world is, actually. Okay. So, so, Chaye Sarah, the lives of Sarah, Chayim, the fact that the word for life itself is, is not in the singular, but is in the plural, because, because we have this world and we have the next world, just as, as a baseline, as a baseline. Everyone has it, right? Who's righteous, right? And to the extent that they are. So, so we have to understand one more thing, because none of this really clicks in or truly makes sense unless you understand this next idea. And... I'm on sort of a personal campaign to, to get this idea more widely known because I, I, don't, I don't think it is widely known. I read it um, from Rab, Rabbi Ari Kaplan, um, so an impeccable source. And, uh, and this, this idea can change your life, really, because there are many people who believe and they say, well, you know, there's a God and he, he manifested his will, that's the Torah, and there's this world, and there's the next world, and there's, they agree with everything. But this part they don't know, which is they think from a, you know, well-intentioned spiritual point of view, that when, after 120, when my soul leaves my body, that it disappears into the great oneness. <laughs> Not the case. You remain you. You remain you forever. And so, what does that mean exactly? So the example that he gives, he gave this many years ago, but it's, a, it's, it's such a great example because it's so contemporary, right? It's so much more relevant than probably when he first said it. You have, let's say you have your laptop, right? And then you have the software, all the information on your laptop. Now, if you put in a flash drive, you can extract all the information from your laptop. So he says your body is like your laptop. And all the information is contained in your soul, in your consciousness, right? So when the soul leaves the body, it's like it leaves with all of the information of who you are and your life and your identity. Meaning to say that when one's soul leaves their body, the essence of their personality, and, and you remain you, even outside your body. So, so with this in mind, we can actually say in a way that, in, in my opinion anyway, is a very grounded way of saying that all of us are immortal. In other words, we tend to think of immortality as, I live forever in this body. But if you live forever as you, whether it's inside a body or outside of a body, that seems to be, in my opinion, a small detail, as long as you remain you forever. So that means that we actually are all immortal. That, that's, that's a wild idea. It's a wild idea. And we're saying that that's, that that's just the basic case. We're not talking about high levels or anything like that, like, you know. If you're so fortunate or unfortunate to get bitten by a vampire, right? 
which we don't believe in, by the way. <laughs> but, you know, it seems to be that immortality as a concept is something that we tend to think of as, as very rare and unusual. It's either the stuff of fiction, right, or horror, right, or the few greats like a Beethoven or so, someone like that who achieves immortality, you know, through their work. And yet, what if I were to tell you that everybody, <laughs> right, if you just are good, basically, if you just do good, that you're already immortal. And that that's the baseline assumption of, of, of our existence. That's, 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 that's a very powerful thing. For the reason that it takes a lot of pressure off of this life, doesn't it? You know, it does and it doesn't, is the truth. It does in that you realize, okay, well, there's so much more, you know, and if everything doesn't go exactly right, it literally is not the end of the world. On the other hand, though, on the other hand, though, you realize that this is my one fast opportunity to essentially set my existence for all, for all days. So, so that kind of puts a lot of pressure on it at the same time. But it puts a lot of different type of pressure on it. In other words, it takes the emphasis off of, did I, am I on the partner track? Did I get that promotion? Right? It doesn't become about that anymore. But it's, did I go out of my way for that person? Right? Did I, did I strive to be the best person that I could be? It puts a lot more emphasis on that. Okay, so, so this is the first level of, of, of this idea of the lives of Sarah, of, 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 of the idea that it's in the plural, it's this world and the next world. Now I want to talk about something. See, because we'll say that that's just um, Judaism 101, what I just told you, right? That's just kind of like basic, basic ideas right there. Okay, but now... Let's get more into the nitty-gritty. <laughs> Let's go deeper. Because, because how to achieve it in this world when there's so many obstacles and there's so many distractions, that actually is the harder, that's the harder job, and that's the, that's the job that we're involved in right now. So how do we get it right in this world? Right? Because that's, that's the essence, really. Okay. So, so just like we can say that there's the plural... Of, of multiple lives, the lives of Sar, if you will, this world and the next world, just like we have this world and the next world, right? We also have multiple lives in this world. So, so what do I mean by that? Well, there's the us at our house, right? There's the us at our workplace. There's the us at a bar, Right? There's the us at some community gathering. There are a lot of different us's going on. There are the us when no one's looking. Right? So what so which one am I? So there's something really interesting about mezuzahs. Okay? A mezuzah can really keep a person honest. 
and add clarity and coherence to our lives. What do I mean by that? So you say, well, okay, what, what is a mezuzah exactly? It's, it's, um, we put it on the, the doorpost of our house. On, if we have gates on the outside of our house, we put it on a gate. Okay. And, um, and there's something fascinating just about the divine names going on in, in, in terms of a mezuzah. So if you look at a mezuzah, any mezuzah, it's got, all of them have something printed on the outside of it, you know? And that's the letter Shin. Right? Some are more fancy, and they'll actually spell out the name of God that that letter Shin is standing for. It will say Shin Dalud Yud, which is pronounced Shaddai, or if you, you know, don't want to pronounce God's name, you can say Shakat. Right? And, and this divine name is actually fascinating, because the Torah teaches that when God first created the, the universe, he, he took an infinitesimally small point of matter, which was the foundation stone of the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. And then he expanded that point of matter and expanded it and expanded it and expanded it to the physical universe. So if that sounds like the Big Bang, that, that is the Big Bang, but we've been talking about that for thousands of years. Now, what's fascinating about that, just I want to add, although it's contained in that teaching, is that if the first single point of matter was the, from the foundation stone of the Holy Temple in Jerusalem, and God expanded that, that out, that means that the entire universe is made out of the DNA of the Holy Temple which means the entire universe is one expanded iteration of the Beis HaMikdash. That's, that's, that's an amazing thought. In fact, one of the Rishonim, I always forget if it's the Rashba, the Rashbam, writes that when we wash our hands in the morning, you see, the Kahanim, the people who served in the Holy Temple, had to wash their hands before they did the, the Holy Services. So when each one of us individually, whether we're a Kohen or not, wakes up in the morning and washes our hand, it's like we're Kohanim serving in the Holy Temple. You know why? Because the entire world is the Holy Temple. So, so at a certain point, God pronounced this name Shaddai, which means, it, it contains the word die, which means enough. Enough, meaning God stopped the expansion of the universe. Now, isn't it interesting, knowing that, isn't it interesting that the mezuzah, which has that name of God, Shindalad Yud, on the outside of it, right, at your doorpost, is at your doorpost. You know why? Because at the door, that's when the room ends. <laughs> that's when Hashem, so to speak, says, Shakai to this room. <laughs> so the outer limits are circumscribed with the same name of God that God said when he circumscribed the outer limits of the universe. And you see it in, a, in miniature in, in, in every single room. So, so, so if you were to say to me, we've got this great mitzvah, it's the mezuzah, and it's talking about the end of one area or 
you know, like, where would you put it? And I, I would say, well, you put it on the outside of your, your front door. That's where, that's where you should have it because you're going from really one realm into another, right? Except God had a different thought, a better thought. He said, you know what? Put one in every room of your house. <laughs> Except, by the way, small closets and bathrooms. Um, so, so now this is getting deeper. That means we have one on our bedroom door. That means we have one on our kitchen door. That one means we have one on our home office door. Right? Living room. You know why? Because, well, let's take another beat before we get there. So that's what it says on the outside of the mezuzah. What does it say on the inside of the mezuzah? <laughs> that's maybe more to the point, right? Because if it doesn't have that shin on the outside, it's still a kosher mezuzah, as far as I know. It's the inside, which is the essence, right? So what does the inside say? So the inside has another name of God, right? Actually, it has two other names of God. But the, the main thing is it's got the Shema Yisrael. It's talking about the oneness of God. Shema Yisrael, Hashem, Yudke Vavke, Eloheinu, right? Hashem Echad. Meaning to say that God, who is infinite and everywhere, and also is the master of this universe, right? That they're one and the same. That God, who is God with, within borders, is also God beyond borders, right? God inhabits all realms and is, in the ma- is the master of all realms, the finite and the infinite, nature and beyond. Okay, that's what the Shema is saying, and it's all one. So as I travel from, say, one room to another room in my house, sometimes I'm one person in one part of my house and I'm one person in another part of my house. And so as I go from boundary to boundary or from world to world, even within my own identity, I have to be reminded that I'm standing before the same God, the one God. See, because we tend to compartmentalize our identities. And and that gets tricky. We have to remember that wherever I go, I'm standing before God, and that's good news. (laughs) Because God is the one who loves me the most. Okay, so now we have to go deeper still. You see, Reb Tzadok HaKon wants to know exactly what happened what happened when the snake bit us? You know? Someone was asking me the other day, so did the snake actually bite us? Like in the Garden of Eden when we ate from the Tree of Knowledge. I said, you know, don't get caught up in that. <laughs> the point is, is that something happened to us. We're trying to figure out what happened to us, you know? So, some, so, so I just caution you when we use these colorful expressions that don't, don't get... Don't get distracted by that. We have to figure out something happened to us. What, what, what was that? We have to diagnose the human condition. 
So what he says so unbelievably, because this captures basically everything in one statement, he says, after we ate from the tree of knowledge, we thought that there was such a thing as a place where God isn't. We thought that there was such a thing as a place where God isn't. Now let's use that to try to understand ourselves and, 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 the, and the many lives that we lead in, bless you, in this world. You see, when a person does something wrong or something that they aren't happy with or something that they don't want to do, or perhaps it's something that they really want to do, whatever it is, however we're to understand it. Most people, when they're doing that, are inhabiting a world where God isn't, (laughs) where they've decided God isn't. Now, here's my question. What happened to God? (laughs) Where did he go? (laughs) How did you make him disappear? That was pretty neat. How'd you do it? (laughs) And the answer is, you didn't. (laughs) So, so now we have to get real. Now we got to do a little reality therapy right now. Now we got to get real. Okay. You see, like right now, this time of year, I just, just I'm welcoming everyone and anyone who's listening to this uh, online, just hop on an airplane and, and, and daven Friday night at the Happy Minion. Like these, these times when Shabbos comes in early, this is the best time all year. It's like a, just a giant party and you can just, you, I mean, you can experience authentic Jewish spirituality in a way that I'm sure you can do it other places, but you've got it right here. So, so a lot of people, like, you just, you come and, and your spirit soars, you start flying, and you think, this is me! This is me! And now what happens is when a person leaves that environment and they're in the week, in the, in the sort of like the, you know, the trench warfare of the week, and they're behaving in a completely different way and in a way that's antithetical to, to how they were just maybe even moments ago. Something called cognitive dissonance takes place where they say, the me right now isn't me. And since I'm not here, God can't be here. So let me now just do what I need to do. It's kind of a complicated psychological thing, but this is, this is what happens. So, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something about my life, a strange, strange true story. So, my dad was a psychologist, and he had a private practice, but he also worked with schools. And, and um, I remember growing up, like, being in third grade, and it being a rainy day, and I was inside the house, and my dad wanted to kind of keep me busy or give me something to do. And so he gave me, um, he gave me some like worksheets, like some math worksheets and some, I think, reading worksheets and things like that, just to kind of 
keep my mind busy, you know, use the time productively, whatever it was. And this happened over a period of years, right? What I found out later, like, like, like this went up to about fifth grade, okay? Was that what he had was access to the standardized tests from the state, and that I was giving early access to standardized tests. As a result of my having been able to do it once before and have it corrected and do it in my own free time without any kind of time limits or anything like that, I remember when I was in third grade, I was told that I had the math level of someone in 11th grade. <laughs> and I thought to myself, because I, wasn't, I hadn't made the connection that I had already taken this test. And I don't know that my dad was doing this um, sort of like uh, to be deceptive or anything like that, because there was nothing at stake. There was all, I went to public school. There was no other track. You know what I mean? Like there was no, not, not, there was no benefit for having gotten a higher score or lower score. The point is, is that I remember I took the standard, this standardized test in sixth grade, and I got my score back because... That's when my dad's supply ran out. <laughs> and I took, my, I, I took the, 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 the uh, test in sixth grade, and I got back that I, my math level was on the level of a seventh grader. <laughs> Maybe it was eighth grade, I don't remember. But I do remember going, what happened? <laughs> I used to be so smart. And now, like, I'm not smart anymore. You know? So... So the, 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 the point that I'm trying to make through this story was I had to sort of like readjust my, my identity, my, 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 my sense of like what I was capable of and who I was exactly, you know, by my own terms, you know. So what happens is a lot of times we'll be dancing Friday night and we'll think that's, that is me. And, and by the way, that's not completely incorrect. That is the highest, perhaps truest expression of yourself. But is it you? Well, I think like the New York State Board of Education would disagree. <laughs> they would, I think they would say, let's take an average of 24 hours, seven days a week, and that average is you. That's, that's your level and that's your mark. Right? So, so we need to have a realistic assessment of actually who we are. It is the sum total of all of our activities. Because not to do that, and I'm not trying to lower our self-esteem of ourselves. We need strong self-esteem and we need belief in ourselves. But at the same time, if we have a misguided notion of who we are, then when we act beneath ourselves, we go, well, that's not me. But guess what? It's also you. And we have to own that also if we're going to be authentic and real. Well, yeah, but that's no fun because a moment ago I was holy. And <laughs> now I've got to like kind of recalibrate. Well, recalibrate and then really become holy. How about that? How about that? That, that becomes much more meaningful, much more real. So... So how do you do that? 
how do you do that? So now we're back to Reb Tzadik Akon, who says something so awesome, so awesome. He says, and I'm going to use my words, but this is the, the idea. He says, you have to sin when one, I hate that word, it's not such a Jewish word, but we'll use it for a shorthand right now. You have to sin with God. So what does that mean? What does that mean? That means that when a person is entering into this realm of what they consider for themselves or at their level, wrongdoing, right? Or I can do better, or whatever it is. However you want to describe that state of not ideal, right? A person has to bring God with them into that place and say, Hashem, you're also here. This is where I'm at right now. I want to be better. I think I can do better. Please help me to do better, but this is where I am right now. And now all of a sudden, you become real. You know, Reb Shlomo, the the highest compliment I ever saw him give anybody, this was like a very rare compliment that he would give to someone. He would say, that person's for real. To be real, this is, this, is, this is what we need to be, right? Our authentic selves, even if it's a much lower level than we'd like it to be, but then at least we're owning reality. Because God's not tricked by our rosy assessments. <laughs> I mean, let's be serious. But then we can actually climb to genuinely high places, right? Not that we're not climbing to high places before, but like, can you imagine like you've got like a tennis ball on a table and then you've got a pencil balanced on the tennis ball and then you've got a house balanced on the pencil? (laughs) That's not sustainable. (laughs) It isn't. It might look very arty, (laughs) like, wow, how'd you do that? That was cool. But, you know, not, not for decades. Not for decades. So when we, when we have a solid foundation, then everything is like, okay, okay. So now, let's, let's go even deeper. So there's a certain language in the Torah after Adam eats from the tree of knowledge, where, where Adam says that he, he admits that he ate from the tree of knowledge to God, but the Medrash understands the, this particular Hebrew grammatical phrasing that, that, that Adam says in a very arresting way. According to the Medrash, when God asked Adam, did you eat from the tree? Adam didn't say, I ate from the tree. He said the following, I ate and I'm going to eat again. So now the Chidush Arim asks a, a very amazing question, which is, you're telling me that Adam, like God's first creation, 
spoke with such chutzpah, such brazenness to God. I ate and I'm going to eat again. Well, no one's disputing that Adam said, I ate and I'm going to eat again. But, but how do you understand the brazenness of it? So, so I'll tell you what the Chidush Arim says. He says something very beautiful and sort of heartbreaking at the same time. He said, don't, don't think for a moment that Adam was being chutzpahdik, that he was being brazen before God. Don't, don't, don't think that for a moment. What Adam was in touch with was a very primary, primal, I should say, primal spiritual truth about the way we're, we're made. And it, and it goes like this. And this is in Gomorrah Yuma. Gomorrah Yuma talks about it and spells it out. That after a person, bless you, after a person does something wrong, all of a sudden they decide that that action is now permissible to them. So when he said, I, eat, I ate and I'm going to eat again, what he was saying was, now that this boundary has fallen, it's like it was never there. And now I'm going to give my, myself license to just keep on doing it. Not because I want to do bad, but because somehow I've, 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 I've psychologically liberated myself in a way that is harmful to me. I, I, I heard something, and, and this... I apologize if this sounds a little graphic, so so excuse me in advance. But I just want to show you the the depths of this type of thinking, how 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 pernicious, how how toxic it can be. So an example is given. I heard it once, and it sort of like haunted me that 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 we're capable of this level of thinking. That a man can be say unhappy in his marriage, and or maybe he's just. Maybe he is happy in his marriage. I don't even know. But whatever his reason would be for committing adultery. And, and, and he says, okay, you know something? I'm doing this in order to increase the quality of shalom bias in my home. Right? Because my need isn't being met here or I'm dissatisfied in some way. So I'm going to do this thing which is absolutely against the Torah. 100, 10,000% against the Torah. And now, not only does he think that, that he's um, per- permitted in doing something like this, he actually thinks he's doing a mitzvah. He's actually transformed his wrongdoing into a positive act because look how I'm maintaining the happiness of my home through this activity. Isn't that, isn't that, but this is, the, this is us. This is human beings. This is as far this is how far it goes. Not just not just that we can do something wrong and now, and now think that it's permitted. That we can do something wrong and now think that what we're doing is a mitzvah. So how do we Survive. <laughs> I mean, if that's you know, if that's if that's the case. I, I'll tell you something. I, uh, 
I learned with a, a big rabbi, and, he, and he, his father is a great scientist who was actually awarded the Israel Prize, his father. Was, this is the highest prize the, the Israeli government gives. And he's, he's a cancer researcher. And he told me that, that, that either his father or one of his father's friends, who was also a very, very high-level cancer researcher, told him that in studying cancer, he doesn't understand how it's possible that everyone doesn't have cancer. That, that's frightening. It's frightening. So if, how do we guard ourselves from, 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 from these things if, if it's all around us? So, so the, I'm sure there are many answers, but what I would like to suggest is, 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 is what Rebbe Nachman suggests, um, perhaps in a different context, but I'm, I'm sure it includes this as well, is, is to talk to God, to talk to God like he's our best friend. Now, there, there is no substitute if a person wants to be for real for talking to God, for talking to God on a regular basis like he's your best friend. There is no substitute for this. And let me tell you why. When you form, like, let's just break down the formation of a friendship, okay? So it would go something like this. Oh, you know something? I, I just met this person the other day. We sat down, we had this conversation, and then it just, I, the time flew. It, we just talked about every, we have so much in common, right? And, 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 and then, and then, they texted me, and then we were texting back, and it was back and forth, and then, and then we're going to meet for, and then we just, and whenever we're together, it's just we're talking, 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 and then I say things that I wouldn't say to other people, and I feel totally comfortable saying it to this person. By the way, listen, you want to hear something incredible? Reb Shlomo says, you know what a good friend is? Someone who you feel safe telling good news to. Can you imagine? That's... That's that is devastating, but but anyway, so 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 um, so you see that there is a one-to-one correspondence, a one hundred percent lockstep correspondence between making a friend and what talking. Talking equals friendship. Talking equals relationship. That's how you make something real. Now, with that in mind, we can understand something which is like really super esoteric. God created the physical universe by speaking it into existence. <laughs> you talk about creating something real through speech. That's how the entire world was created. Now, of course, that remains abstract because God doesn't have a mouth or a tongue or anything like that. So what does it mean? That, but, but yeah, but this is what we say, God. And, and Reb Shlomo says something so awesome. Remember, God didn't speak the world into existence. God sang the world into existence. And the Tikkuni Zohar I saw from Rabbi Trugman, if you rearrange the letters of Breshis, the first letter of the, the Torah, that, that the Zohar says contains the entire Torah, if you rearrange the letters of Breshis using all the letters 
It spells Shiras Olive Bays, the song of the Olive Bays. So there you see it in the first word of the Torah, that, that God sang the world into existence using the Hebrew letters which he created the world out of. But the point is the following. Talking equals relationship. How do we save ourselves from ourselves? Right? And by the way, we're good. I don't want this to sound like it's negative or heavy or anything like that. It's just if we want to climb higher levels, we have to deal with all the lives that we lead and all of the aspects of ourselves. We can't be blind to that. That's not called Torah. That's not called spirituality. Right? So then how do we, how do we achieve coherence within that? God can't be an abstraction. If God is an abstraction, then we're going to do whatever we want whenever we want to do it. And you know something? Torah is way deeper than other religions that have a physical manifestation of God. I mean, that's kindergarten, folks. No, no insult intended. No insult intended. But that's... Do you know how much deeper it is that we say that you, it's... God is everywhere and in everything and beyond, 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 beyond. There's no no physical reminder. So if we want God's presence to be concrete, we can't make a statue, God forbid. So how are you going to make God real? The answer is if you talk to God, then you've got an actual concrete relationship in your life. And it's real. And when it's real, how can I do anything to the one I love the most? Who's right in front of me? How, how can I? I can't. Okay, now having said that, I'm not perfect. And when I'm still working on an area of my life that's a work in progress, let me say... Let me talk to him at that moment, too. Okay, God, look, I want to do better. Clearly, that's not going on right now, (laughs) but it's on the to-do list, right? You can be humorous about it. If it's your best friend, you can, you know, because you are coming from a genuine, beautiful place at that moment, right? Thanks for listening. We do this every week, so join in again next Sunday for our new podcast where we explore the amazingness of life. And review us and send in any comments or suggestions. I'd love to hear them.